Welcome back to the Verified Athletics Podcast. Hopefully the sound this time around will be a little bit better. Uh, made some adjustments to the new studio. Want to remind all the student athletes out there again to check out the College Selector if you haven't already. It's uh, fully released on our website. You can find out more by going to verifiedathletics.com. Answer a simple survey and within 24 hours you'll get back results that recommend what colleges you should be reaching out to and learning more about in the recruiting process the ones that are the best fit for you to get the best college experience and it's 100 percent free our guest today is dylan maben dylan is a corner for the oakland raiders he's getting started he's got camp coming up here in a couple of weeks so excited to have him on talk about all the things about being in the nfl and trying to get there from what it was a relatively under-recruited athlete coming out of high school. So hope you guys enjoy it. Dylan is smart. He's interesting and he's got a lot to say. So enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. We got Dylan Maben here. How's it going, Dylan? Oh, it's going well. Glad to be here. Glad to have me. Yeah. So uh, this is this is cool. I, uh, you're someone I've known for a while. I knew you when you were in high school. You were like a junior in high school when we first met and now uh, you are on the Oakland Raiders. So what's that like? Um, you know, it's definitely been a long journey and, you know, like you said, starting out so young, you know, I'm glad you took a chance on me, you know, coming out of high school, undersized kid, but it's just glad to see how far I've come and how far I can go. Yeah. So, um, so you graduated just this last year, um, and you got your degree, I assume. Yes. Yes, sir. So, and then, uh, you got picked up by the Oakland Raiders and what has that been like or how did that happen? How did you choose Oakland versus other other teams or how does that work? Well, basically during the draft, I mean, leading up to the draft, I basically knew I wasn't going to get drafted. You know, there was a small chance that I could go in like the seventh round, but I basically knew I wasn't. So my agent pretty much had certain teams that he's like, all right, these people are showing interest in you. Like these are the teams you should consider. So I had about four or five like offers um, towards the end of the draft and once free agency started. So I basically knew which teams I wanted to go. And after looking at like different rosters and how many uh, corners, that's my position, how many corners each team was going to take, um, we just came to the decision based off that. So you just try to pick the spot that you had, the, you thought you had the best shot to make the team? Yeah, definitely. Okay. And um, so that's pretty cool. And you were done when you, you said you thought you you kind of knew that you weren't going to get drafted, what do you think it was that was separating you from other people that were getting drafted? Or at least in the um, minds of the NFL guys. I know a lot of the, um, a lot. although Fordham is getting like more recognition nowadays, a lot of the uh, teams were kind of like nervous about that just because I didn't have like that big FBS game that these other FCS products have. Like we went against Army and Navy a bunch of years, so... I didn't have that like big FBS game. So they kind of looked at our schedule and was like, ah, like we like you, you know, we think you can be here, but we just don't know if we want to take a chance drafting you. So you think it was like the level that you were coming from? Yeah. How do you think you match up to the other guys in terms of just like the raw numbers? Like when you run the 40 or you do the pro agilities or those other things, you must've done pretty well if you were going to get considered alongside those guys. Oh, yeah. I mean, I had a pretty good pro day. You know, I ran a, I mean, although it's not the combine, but pro day I had like a, I ran a 4-4-1, which a lot of the teams like prior, they thought I was going to run like very slow. And that was a lot, another reason that they didn't want to take a chance on me. So once I did that, it kind of opened the doors a little bit at least. But, you know, I think I did, uh, I think I did pretty well. 
That that reminds me of five years ago, I think, when uh <laughs> when I was recruiting you out of high school, uh, I saw you at uh, the Northwestern camp and mm. and you ran a faster time there than I was expecting and then that kind of piqued <laughs> my interest. So so I guess that, that uh that's coming handy for you more than once. It has, it has. I remember that. <laughs> so um all right, so you you picked Oakland and then when that I guess happened right after the draft, so that was in the end of April, and then we're in July now. Uh, so what's happened since then till now? What's what's it like? What's it been like to be be that rookie in the NFL? Uh, I mean, it's been pretty hectic. You know, you you the drafts on like the twenty seventh, and then the next week you're flying out for rookie minicamp, and so I did that, and that went right into OTAs. You know, with the veterans and all the other rookies. So you do that, and then you got the little minicamp, and then you know they give you roughly about a month off and that's kind of where I'm at right now just at home training you know grinding learning my playbook even more than I already have and then you know we go back in uh, the end of July and that's when it really starts so it's been pretty uh, it's been pretty exciting and I, I would think that there's some rookies that get invited to the rookie mini camp that don't make it to the next phase is that how it works yeah that, it's mostly people that don't make it um they have a lot of tryout guys because they only sign about 10 to 10 to like 15 guys like free agent wise for rookies so but they invite like 60 i so see so it's, it's a lot so most of the guys there are i think they're, they're a lot of times seen as being bodies to just help you to run a practice to evaluate <laughs> the guys that you really want but i think on occasion uh, someone you know there's room for some people to surprise and and make the make make it to camp from there right is that how it works yeah like for example i mean they don't, they usually sign like three people out of rookie mini camp, but I know they told one dude like, you know, we like you, we just don't got the numbers to sign you. And then like two weeks ago, they cut somebody from the team and then brought that rookie in. So the rookie mini camp's an underrated way to get back on the team on the team. Well, yeah, I mean, like it's your shot, right? It's like yeah, any day or any minute that you get to spend in front of a NFL coach or scout, you know, gives you the opportunity to show what you have and you either take advantage of it or you don't, but, but it's certainly better than not having that chance at all. And so you got to take what you can. And even if the odds are slim, you just go for it, right? Exactly. You just, you got to go for it. Don't take it for granted. And did you feel like going into that rookie mini camp that you were safe to make a camp, like the actual camp training camp, or does it not really work that way? Um, I mean, in reality, cause I did sign a contract before I got there. So in reality I was safe, but like, before I was just so nervous. I'm like, I can't like go there. And if I go there and I do very bad, you know, they're going to cut me before I even get to show what I got. So like, I was, I was kind of nervous going in, especially just cause I come up from Fordham. I've never really went against, you know, this kind of talent before, but you know, once I got there and got settled, it was pretty good and, you know, made it so far. So what's, uh, what's that talent level adjustment felt like? Do you think that, that this is a whole new world or is it just feel like not that different? um I, it's not a whole new world you know I went against some very good guys at Fordham you know my teammates were I feel like a lot of them could be on this level too but it's just more just the size and speed you know the speed of the game is crazy the speed of the game is crazy learning these new formations or whatnot different uh, calls you know way more complex it's just more so things like that that's uh taking some adjusting to and when you say like the size and the speed is it just like the receivers that you're up against it's just you got to deal with a lot more Oh yeah, I mean, I'm you're facing everything under the sun. You're facing the the five nine receiver who runs a four two eight. You're facing the six five 
220 pound receiver you know i'm covering tight ends that can run four or five you know it's everything under the sun you know the league is it's crazy these days and who would you rather be up against would you rather be up the up against like the big receiver that can jump and make plays and catch the ball or the guy the little guy that's quick and difficult to to stay on um it definitely depends on the coverage but if i'm just playing straight man to man you know i'm taking the i'm going against the big receiver just because i feel like my body type is built better for that you know, I can, I'm, I'm never going to shy away from guarding the quick little shifty guys, but I feel like I match up well with the bigger receivers. Yeah. Well, you I mean, you're a taller corner. Do you, do you still feel like a taller corner in the NFL, or is it now you feel like you're just kind of average? Uh, no, I mean, there's some, there's taller, there's tall guys, but I still feel like I'm on the taller, lengthier side of that uh, spectrum. Yeah. And uh, you'll have to remind me, I know your brother had a brief stint in the NFL as well. How far did he make it? Um, he played for, I think about three years. He never made it on the actual, um, 53 man roster, but he was on several different, uh, practice squads and he was there for about three years. And, uh, what was, what was his advice to you? I got to imagine you turned to him and, and ask him for some advice when you were coming out. Did you use the same agent or I don't know, tell me all about that. Uh, I mean, we didn't use the same agent, but he definitely gave me tons of advice. You know, one of his major things was for one playbook is the most important thing you know we know you we know you can run for whatever you know you can jump whatever like everybody can do that you know the playbook is what's gonna uh, separate you and the second thing was special teams you know that's the way you're gonna get on the field the fastest that's how you're gonna make an impression like at the beginning so take that very seriously and get as much reps as you can even if you're dog tired just get those reps as much as you can yeah I've heard that um with NFL teams I mean unless if you're playing offensive line or something that uh, the last couple spots on the roster at each position are not actually selected by the coach of that position. It's selected more so by the special teams coordinator. Is that how it feels? Mm-hmm. Um, definitely. You know, our special teams coach, he always harps on, you know, you do have to, you know, be able to play your main position well. But, you know, special teams is how some people are going to get on the roster. And that's just how it is. You know, can't take that for granted either. Just got to go hard. Yeah, well, we've had Isa on the podcast before, and that's how he got his start. I mean, he was a special teams player. That's that's how he got in, but he made his way up to being a starting safety. So I think that you're right that that can be the path. And and for like a guy that's an undrafted free agent, you know, they're they're gonna it's gonna take them a little bit longer probably to warm up to you as being you know the the potential starting corner for them. So it's it's a way to to keep yourself alive and keep yourself in front of the coaches, get yourself better at the playbook, and get your skills up right while you're while you're still being valuable to the team. Definitely, because I got to, you know, show out on the defensive end, prove my worth there, and I got to prove my worth as special teams. Some of the people that get drafted, you know, they might have a little more leeway where they can just focus on one more than the other, but I got to I gotta try and master both. Yeah, and uh, do you feel like that that learning the playbook will be something that'll be easier for you than some of the other guys? Is that, you know, coming from a school like Fordham where, you know, academics are a little bit more important and, and you know, studying your, your study skills might be at a, a little higher game than some of the other guys. You think that you got a leg up there? Um, I'm not going to say I have a leg up just because I know everybody takes this game very seriously. And, you know, some of these dudes are coming from some serious programs where they've been running at X and Y. But, you know, I'm definitely confident in my ability to um, learn the playbook. And, you know, I'm I'm studying it every day now and it's only going to increase as it gets closer to camp. So hopefully that's going to give me my leg up. Well, if I remember correctly, you got on the field as a freshman in your very first game against Army, um, you know, at a level up and, and we won that game. Uh, so I got to think that 
that I, I wouldn't have allowed to put you, I wouldn't allow myself to put you on the field if um, you weren't <laughs> someone that can pick up things quickly and can be trusted, you know, a little earlier on. I mean, that's tough to trust a freshman in that kind of situation. I think the game was on the line too, in a, in a, in a big way. So I don't know. Do you remember that experience at all? Does that stick out oh, to you as a college memory? Yeah. I'm, um, it's definitely one of my favorite, uh, probably football memories, you know, just ever, just because I had no intention of playing that game. You know, I talk about it with my parents all the time. They're like, we were not even nervous for the game because we didn't think you were going to play. And then next thing we know, you're up on the field. You know, this is, we're winning by two against Army, FBS, and then I'm out there, you know, playing. So it's definitely one of my favorite memories. Yeah, and if if I remember correctly, I mean, you got to think playing corner against Army for the most part is pretty boring. It's mostly just like covered a receiver that's trying to block you because they're running the ball every play. But they did test you. I'm pretty sure they went deep, and I think you got a PBU. Is that that's my memory? Is that how it went down? Oh yeah, I mean, um, I remember that. I was uh, regarding number 82. I don't know his name, but it was a it was a, they threw a shot up. You know, luckily I jumped up and broke the pass up. Wish I would have picked it off now, but you know, hey, I'm happy with a breakup too. Well, I think uh, I think when you're in that situation, you probably take a little bit less of a chance and just try to <laughs> just try yeah. to just try to end the play as quickly as possible. You know, you, most people when they're in that situation that early on in their career, they'd prefer not to have the spotlight, especially right. on defense and at corner. It's one thing to be at running back where like you know uh, it's mostly like either like okay or great, and at corner it's right. like mostly either like okay or terrible. I was gonna say it's either you're the hero or you're the villain. That's that's how it was. You know, how how what did you think of that of playing the position where it's um where mistakes like basically cost your team the game and it's like you have to be mentally on in that way every single play? Uh it was definitely harder at the beginning, I'll say, just because it's honestly a mentality where then like co- coaches harp on it all the time. It's that next play mentality, you know, in corner it's you're literally living that because you can play a hundred plays and then you give up one touchdown and you're the worst you're the worst like you just got to be able to cast all that aside and just play the next play and do what you do yeah that uh that sounds that sounds right have you um so far in camp if you had if you given up some some bombs or some big plays uh <laughs> to some of the other receivers um i did my very first day that was the only one but my very first day um what's his name tyro williams i underestimated his speed and he took off, but that was the only time. And it was a, it was. I'm actually glad it happened. Me and my coach talked about it. Like we're glad it happened on the first day because that won't happen again. We're, I'm glad we. I'm glad it happened. Yeah. So now you think, um, you think it won't happen again because you just are a little bit more ready for the speed, or you're just taking things a bit more serious. Not about it's more seriously, but just like, um, I don't know, you're just a little bit more focused out there. Or what do you think? Is, what is what's changing? What did you learn from it? Um, I wouldn't say a little more serious, but like you said, a little more focused just because, you know, there's a lot of little things that I did wrong that play that could have been prevented that could have uh, helped me out in the long run. And those are things, and honestly, in college that you got away with, you know, just so things such as like getting ready in your stance before the play, you know, your eyes, things like that. Where in college, you know, you could get away with that. But in the NFL, it's a whole different monster. You know, the receivers will they'll prey on those little things. Well, yeah, I think. um Speed is such like a, a big thing, especially when you're playing corner. Um, when you have a speed advantage, it gives you room to make some mistakes, gives you room to card, guard guys a little bit closer and and react and, and make up some some time with, with your legs. But when the speed starts to go the other way, then things get really tricky and you got to be perfect in order to stay up with someone. Definitely. So why don't you tell me, what is like a typical practice in rookie minicamp like? <sighs> typical practice. Um 
during rookie minicamp because it's kind of like um, they model it after training camp. So that's actually the days we'll have in training camp. We um, wake up, uh, get breakfast. We have meetings before for like an hour and 30 minutes. Then we go have a walkthrough for like an hour, come back in, eat, shower, have another meeting to go over the walkthrough. Then we go out for actual practice and you go out there for two hours and it's your typical, um, you know, seven on seven, uh, about three team periods, special teams, uh, circuits, things like that. Um, do that for two hours, come back in, have a third meeting for like an hour and 20 minutes and then you're done. So it's a pretty, it's a, it's a packed day. It's a full day. And are you guys in full pads during practice or what's the setup like there? Um, I mean, in rookie mini camp and OTAs, we were just in helmets, but in camp we'll obviously be in full pads. Yeah. So you'll be, so you're in helmets. So it's just all, it's all touch off. Not, no, like no tackling, nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, No, no, no contact. Just, um, they don't even really want you. They, I mean, they say don't fight through the ball, like as a defender, like if there's like, but you know, obviously some people are going to end up on the ground sometimes, but cause people are competitive, but they want as least contact as possible. Yeah, I think that they're probably evaluating on the guys that can get it done without ending up on the ground in some ways. Right, right. It's exactly. a it's a sign of athleticism. Do you think that like um, I'm like thinking if they're evaluating guys and deciding whether or not they're going to take someone, it's hard to do some of that. I mean, especially for some of those positions like O line and D line, that's got to be very tough and helmets only. And then, you know, even for everyone else, like what about the running back that isn't as agile but can you know knock you know can it's just harder to tackle you know uh, or the you know the defensive back that you know, is great with his feet, but when he has to make a tackle is not so great. Imagine like it kind of selects for certain traits and selects against other traits in, in the camp. Do you, do you notice that at all? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely kind of hard, you know, just cause there's no contract or anything. And, you know, football with pads on is different than football without pads. And they say that all the time, but by now these coaches, um, they've found their tools and they've, they found things to look at for ways to evaluate players without pads so at that point you just got to trust that they know how to evaluate players in that situation yeah no i'm sure that i'm guessing they would prefer to do it with pads if that was something that was reasonable but it's uh they got to adjust and do the best they can with what they have right Uh, i'll I'll always remember um we had uh we had chase edmonds who's you know playing for the cardinals and curious actually if you've talked with him at all you know and get some advice too but um he was a freshman and this was like during this was five six years ago whatever it was and this was during the time when teams were more and more transitioning away from not ever practicing and doing like full on tackling in camp. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm guessing there's a lot of teams that are not doing it, but this was like during that transition, and uh, we were basically not tackling at all during camp. And we did do one scrimmage where we were going to tackle and have like basically like live. If it's in the game, it's in the game deal, and. Uh, Chase, that was when like he went. He was a freshman, and that was when he went from being like, "Oh, this guy seems like he's pretty good." To, oh, this guy's actually really good. And because uh, because our you know when he was up against our starting defense and no one could tackle him, we knew we had something special um, in a freshman. And uh, and that's like how he became like a starter. And then you know that he won the Jerry Rice Award that year as the best freshman in college. You know, in mm-hmm. FCS football. Um, so I got to think that um, that you do miss something. You know, by not having that that uh full pad experience but you know i think like you probably get the right guys to camp i mean they still have what 90 guys at camp and so they could probably get yep. the right 90 there and then and then sort them out you know from there so 
Um, okay, so that's a typical day in the rookie mini camp, and then and then you said you did like OTAs after that. Is that what happened next? Yes. And so that's like the whole team comes in, or how? Do, what is what happens there? Um, I mean, technically they're voluntary, but I think the I think we had every uh, every player show up, but um, OTAs. I mean, OTAs are basically like what I just mentioned, but you cut off like the you cut out the walkthrough. And you cut out some of the meetings just because um, it's technically voluntary. So the veterans, they don't got to come to everything. But the, I mean, the practice is basically the same. It's a little less like the intensity is a little less just because it's an OTA and they don't want to get people get hurt. But I mean, we're still doing 11 on 11, 7 on 7 type drills. And, you know, we're still going hard. Cool. And so now there's um, so you say you're starting camp at the end of July. And um, how many guys come to camp? Uh, about 90 i think i think it's 90 and then 53 make the team or something like that yep yep so that's like uh that means that half the guys got to go basically right mm-hmm. but you know they find different places or homes or you know so, or don't right uh and i'm sure it's uh it's just a cool experience to be there what's um what do you think is your edge was what do you think is going to separate you that's going to help you to get there uh my edge you know i feel like personally i'm a great man-to-man corner and i know um the DB coach, uh, he's been talking. They said, yeah, we want to do a lot of uh, man-to-man press this year. So hopefully if I can just show in the preseason that I can get that done at the best of my ability and it's uh, it's good for them, then hopefully I can uh, stick around. Yeah, so I'm not sure what happened after I left Fordham, but when I was there, we were doing a lot of still, we were still doing a lot of press, man. Um, did you get to do that again for like the next three years? And I guess if you did, you probably have a lot more experience with that than some of the other corners. Is that how it feels? Oh, yeah. I mean, the because I did have like I had I think four different defenses in my four years there but all every year it was basically you go to the boundary you're press man on one take him out you know you may get safety help you may not but we're gonna do what we do over here and you just go to the boundary and do what you do there so that was basically I'm 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 used to -to man-to-man press that's why I'm confident in my ability to do it because I've been doing it so much my whole college career I would say um, from a defensive coordinator's perspective, if you have a guy that can lock up man-to-man boundary corner against the X receiver, uh, you take that every time and you just wipe them off the map and, and then play 10 on 10 on the inside. Um, it's it's usually for most teams, they don't feel that comfortable with that matchup. And uh, then they have to start about like, okay, how do we get that guy some help? And when you start saying, how do I get that guy some help? The help's got to come from somewhere. That gives you a little bit less in every other place that you really want it. And so... Um, Having that corner can make a big difference. Uh, are you still? Are they looking at you to play boundary corner? Uh, or I guess in the NFL, it's probably just left and right, right? Because of the hashes. Yeah, they just, they just, yeah, they just do left and right. Yeah, so there's not really a big boundary field presence, I think, in, no. in the NFL. No. Gotcha. Okay, well, that's pretty. That's pretty awesome. What I want to do is I want to take you back. I'm kind of curious um, to get your perspective on the recruiting process um, and how you felt like it went for you. And you can just tell the story, you know, from your perspective and then I can chime in and, and tell from my perspective, cause I was on the other side of it. Um, basically for me, my recruiting process got started very late just cause I was kind of a late bloomer. You know, I didn't, I didn't even get significant playing time until my senior year. So like my junior, my sophomore and junior year, you know, I was, kind of going to camps here and there, but I was playing, I was playing mainly receiver and I wasn't really, you know, I wasn't playing up to my potential just because I was kind of out of position. Um, so then I switched to 
to corner going into my uh, senior year. And that's when I started going on the camp circuit because my dad was just like, you know, we got to go as many camps, you know, get your name out there as much as possible. So we went to that uh, that Chicago uh, Northwestern camp. That was probably my biggest camp just because I got like I probably got three or four offers just from that one camp. And, you know, did that. Got a few there. Um, the season came around and, you know, I finally got to put some film out there. I, but I wasn't really attracting uh, FBS offers just because I in high school I actually played uh, safety. Like I never I never played corner in high school except for those camps. So I never really got any of those FBS offers. You know, looking back on that, you know I'm kind of you know I'm kind of happy just because I ended up at Fordham. You know, somewhere I wanted to be. You know, great academics and all that. But uh, yeah, basically did that. Um, and other than that, it went pretty smooth, you know, committed in January after taking a visit, and uh, it was pretty good. So what were the other schools that were in the running at the end of the game? Um, at the very end, I, I was I was considering Yale, Columbia, um, Youngstown State, and Wofford. Those were like my main. I, ha- I had the academies, but I wasn't really, you know, interested in going to the Army or Navy or anything, but... Those were the main ones. And what made you choose Fordham over the other places? Um, Fordham, you know, it really, it it sounds kind of cliche, but they really offered the best combination of um, football and uh, academics. Um, Because, you know, they were, y'all had a strong team, you know, y'all were going to the playoffs here and BB Temple, you know, it's a a strong program. So I was like, I want to be a part of that. And then on the other side, you know, you have a very strong academic school, you know, internships for, you know, I'd ever banked on going to the NFL. So I was like, if that's not the case, I want to have a, I want to go to a school that has a strong uh, internship or job uh, network. So that also worked in my favor. So those were uh, the reasons I went there. And um, now looking back on it, um, so much changed, I think probably from when you were recruited to when you left. Uh, I mean, the academics didn't change, right? Fordham's still a good school, uh, but the coaching staff completely changed. Um, and the team ended up not being as good probably for at least your last three years than they were for the, like the three years leading into you going there. Um, so I don't know how, you know, given that that was like one of the reasons why you chose to go to Fordham in the first place, you know, looking back on it, what, what do you think? Um, you know, I definitely wish we could have been more successful, um, the last few years. I don't regret it just cause, you know, I, I got to play uh, football for four years you know I played all four years um so I got to do that you know I got my degree in three and a half uh very strong degree um I met some of my brothers that we brothers for life there so I definitely don't regret that but I definitely don't regret it I do wish we could have been more successful because I feel like we had some very talented teams especially my junior year I feel like we could have made a run in the playoffs but you know sometimes it's just not in the not in the cards yeah, and um, you had to deal with a coaching change too, or I guess a couple of coaching changes during your time there. Is that something that you always knew could happen going in, or did that take you by surprise? Um, no, I mean I basically knew when I committed. I, when I knew when I committed that at least uh, Coach Moorhead was going to go. Um, I predict like I predicted he would be gone after like my sophomore year, but you know when he made the jump to Penn State after freshman year, I wasn't like shocked or anything because. He's a great coach. And even when he was, uh, I remember meeting with him. I don't know if it was at my house or if it was on my official visit. 
but my dad like asked him he's like so how long do you think you're gonna be here like are you here for the long run and he was basically kept it real and he said look I'm gonna do whatever is best for my family so I mean if next year if the right offer comes then I'm gonna take it if it doesn't come for another 20 years then I'll take it in 20. Yeah do you think that um that honesty you know I mean he could have said a lot of different things there he could have said he could have said, no, I'm here for life. And then just still left in a year. What, did you like, did that genuineness or that honesty, did that come across there in a way that impacted your recruiting decision at all? Or was it just like, I don't know, what, what was your reaction to hearing that? No, it definitely, uh, it definitely left a good impression on me just because in the recruiting process, I've noticed a lot of coaches just say stuff that you want to hear. So when you meet someone that's genuine and just doesn't lie and, you know, keeps it a hundred, like, that's really all you can ask for. And, you know, you're not always, it's not always going to be something you want to hear, but as long as it's the truth and nobody's uh, putting up any false curtains or anything, that's all you can ask for. Can you uh, give me an example of uh, someone that said something in the recruiting process that you thought like was kind of full of shit? <laughs> well, um, you don't have to tell me who said it if you don't want to, but I'm just curious because like, <laughs> I think that information is helpful for the, the athlete that was listening to this. Um, I know there was an FBS uh, program who... I was, uh, they were kind of recruiting me a lot because I went to their camp in June. I killed it there. Um, and they were talking to me throughout the whole summer leading up. And I knew they weren't going to offer me just because, you know, yet just because I didn't have any uh, junior year film. But they were basically saying, like, yeah, like we're keeping a spot for you. You know, uh, we love what you did at the camp. You know, they brought me up on an unofficial visit. Like, not one of the like the junior days like they personally brought just me and show and toured the campus and all that so I was like wow like I'm actually like I'm I might get offered for them and they basically were in touch all the way until I think the third week of like the season they were like yeah like send us your tape or whatever and you know I was having a pretty good season you know we that was my uh the year we went to the state championship so I was having a pretty good season um, I sent the tape. They said, we loved it. You know, I'm going to go back, talk to the coach. We're going to see if we can get you an offer right now. So I'm over here thinking, wow, I just got like, I'm about to get my first FBS offer. You know, things, gonna, the ball's going to start rolling. And then I never heard from them again. And they it just, was basically crickets. Just nothing. And they, it just, was, they just nothing. never called was, you again. They didn't. And it was kind of awkward because then like three weeks later, they actually visited my school to recruit like a, one of our linemen. And like, they didn't even say anything. They didn't say what's up. Like they didn't even talk to me. So I was like, wow, like that's when I learned the recruiting process is, is it's really a business sometimes. Yeah. Was this uh like, just, I have a sense, was it like a Mac school or was it more like a big 10 school? Oh, uh, it was a Mac school. It was yeah. a Mac school. Gotcha. So it was like, like one step up from the places that were recruiting you. Yeah. I mean, looking back now, I'm glad they didn't offer me because I would, I, I wouldn't like Fordham was way as a school and the network and things like that is heading head over heels better than where I was going to go. But I just kind of want, I don't know, I guess I wanted the validation to know that I could play at that level. And I never got that uh, at that time. Do you think if you put yourself in the shoes of like the 17 year old or 18 year old Dylan Maven, you, you um, would have made a mistake. You're saying like it would have been a mistake to go to that. Do you think that if you had been given the opportunity, you would have made that mistake or do you think that you would have been, you would have seen through it and made the right call? Uh, I've, I, I probably would have made that mistake just because and it's not going to be a mistake for everybody. I'll say that, you know, could be good for other people compared to me. But from my personal experience, I probably would have made that mistake just because I wanted to play, you know, 
Division One football, you know, with the with the other MAC schools. But looking back, I'm I'm glad I could uh, I went to Fordham. Yeah, I think um, I think most athletes overvalue playing at the highest possible level. Um, and it's not that it's not important. It actually is pretty important. An athlete should want to play at the highest possible level. But I think that for many athletes, it is like the biggest factor. They could they would go to the school that is the worst fit for them if it's at a one level higher than the school that is the best fit for them. And they overweigh it that much. Um, when like it should be a factor, but it should be just a factor just like anything else. Um, and I think athletes are probably underestimating that well, if they play at the higher level, they'll play less, you know, they'll play less and they might not be a starter until their junior or senior year or, or at all or, you know, et cetera. Yeah, I've definitely noticed, you know, what, regardless of the level you go to, if you're good enough, you're going to get exposure and you're going to be able to take your game to the next level. Like there's Division three people that probably shouldn't be playing Division three. They probably could be D1, but, you know. They're at Division three, and then they still get noticed and still get invited here and there. And then the next thing you know, they're in the NFL. You know, it really – that's one thing I wish I could uh, go back and kind of change my attitude on was the FCS and Division whatever versus Division one. I. I wish I could uh, go back and change my view on that. Yeah, and so um, if you had, like, advice, just general advice for someone – I mean – a lot of people are in your shoes. You were going into the summer before your senior year in high school. You really didn't play that much your junior year, uh, but you knew you wanted to play college football. Um, you know, a lot of guys are in, in that position. What do you What do you recommend for them? What do you suggest? Um, definitely don't think that you're too good for anything. You know, I see tweets and stories about. Um, I actually even have like a friend that's coaching for like a D three college. And he went out to offer somebody and the kid was like, nah, like, I don't think, I, I think I'm better than like your program. Basically. Like, I think I should be somewhere else like higher up. And I think that as, uh, going, like going into that level, I think you shouldn't, you shouldn't necessarily look at the level of competition or the level or like division two, II, division three, you should just worry about just getting there and, you know, take everything for what it is and, uh, basically just do what you can do to play. Yeah, and then um, you had a lot of success going to the camps, um, you know, college camps. What what do you think it is? I mean, I can I'll give my perspective afterwards because I was on the other side of it. But um, what do you think it was that that made the difference for you? Why was why were the camps such a successful jump starter for you? Um, for me personally, uh, the first one was definitely the uh, my my speed. Because I guess, I don't know if it's the way I look or the way I carry myself, but, like, most people don't think that I'm fast. So then when I get to these camps and I run, like, a pretty good time, they're like, whoa, like, we didn't think you were that fast. And now they kind of, now I got the the eye on me. So then you got to back it up once you get to the drills and the, one -on, the one on ones are obviously crucial. So once you get the eye on you, then you just got to perform uh, during that and show what you can do. Yeah, and then I'll, I'll replay that uh, from my perspective because being on the other mm -hmm. side. Uh, I was, um, so I'd gone to the Northwestern camp and you were a name on my list because Tim Zetz, who was recruiting Ohio, um, had passed along your name. And I, I think I had seen your junior film or at least what you had of it. Um, cause you, it's not that you didn't have any film. You just didn't have, you didn't have, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. you didn't have good film. Um, <laughs> and, uh, I mean like, you know, from your junior film, it was basically like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even like have spent time to continue to recruit you. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have offered me off. Yeah. Yeah, like you know, like you were just like you're just like anyone else. You were you were a yeah. okay high school football player, right? right off of right. off of the junior film. 
Um, but you know, to be honest, like it is intriguing. You have a brother that played division one football was Mr. Ohio. And, um, uh, do I have that right? He was like Mr. Ohio in football. He, he was the runner up. Oh, runner up. Okay. Runner-up. So close it off. Um, and you know, <laughs> played division one football at a big 10 school. And then your dad had played college football. And so, um, so I think that, uh, you know, like that was enough to like intrigue me to be like, okay, well I will still have the name circled on my list along with like 30 other names that are circled on my list from my recruiting area and the other recruiting areas. And, uh, so I was there and then, and then you ran well. So then like, you know, immediately of the 30 names that are circled on my list, I'm like checking the times and, you know, any corner that was running say slower than a four, seven, I was just basically crossing off. Right. You know, and, and your time being especially good, like had you like as like a plus sign next to your name. So I have like this big sheet of paper in front of me and now I'm like crossing some names off and maybe I'm down to like 10 people that I'm still really looking at that, like I'm trying to evaluate at the camp. And, uh, so we get to the drills and I, you know, I'm focused and watching you do the drills. And, and I think you're right. You, you, you did really well in the drills and it made me think like, okay, I, I actually am like seriously wanting to consider making an offer, you know, to you based on what I'm seeing, uh, with the speed combined with the drills. And, um, you know, the one-on-ones honestly, like to me didn't factor in as much as, as they do in your mind. Um, I would imagine that if you were getting your butt kicked in one-on-ones and it would probably like have turned me off. Um, but the thing is, is like, I find that as being something that's like equivalent to the film. Whereas like, that's like gauging like your ability level at that moment where like when I'm watching you in the drills and I'm watching, you know, and I'm seeing like your speed and like your raw athleticism numbers, I'm thinking, okay, he might not be good enough yet, but I'm seeing potential that like with my coaching, I can make him good. Um, so that's how I'm, I'm picturing in my mind. So like, even if, even if like you're not doing great in the one-on-ones, I'm probably still thinking, okay, well, I, I still seeing the potential here. Cause you got to imagine every day I'm watching the two best corners in our conference in practice. Cause we had the two best corners watching them do these drills. And then I'm watching you do these drills. And I'm like, if you could do it just like they can do it, you probably can do the other things that they can do too. Um, so I remember doing that and then I'm pretty sure either before the one-on-ones or after the one-on-ones, I pulled you to side and I had you do like just some drills just for me to get like a one last read. Cause you know, it's really going out on a limb for me to want to say like, I want to offer this athlete and he doesn't have any film, you know, <laughs> he doesn't have any film that's worth offering. And so, you know, cause it's not my, it's not entirely my decision. You know, it's the decision of me, the defensive coordinator and the head coach. Um, so, you know, I'm trying to, to learn as much as I can to go out on a limb and say, like, cause I want, if I'm going to go out on a limb and say like, no, 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 I don't know. I care. I, even though that you, the defensive coordinator, you, the head coach, the only thing that you can see on this athlete is something that you wouldn't offer. I'm going to say that I'm going to stamp my name on this and say, offer him anyway, and it'll work out. And, uh, so that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to build the case for that. And, uh, and you, you did great. You did great in those drills and it made me feel comfortable. And, uh, so I went back to the office and made sure I think I probably left you with the impression that th- good things were going to happen, and but I needed to I needed to clear up uh, some things because it wasn't entirely my call, and cleared it up. And I'm pretty sure we tried to offer you as soon as possible after that. Um, so anyway, that was it from my perspective, and you know that's pretty rare. I would say like I've only done that a handful of times um, at at camps. I mean, at our own camp, it happens a little bit more often where someone will come out of nowhere, surprise you, and then. Um, but at at other camps, it's typically like. It's typically guys that are like really close to getting an offer already, and then they they perform well enough, and then you get you offer them. So that's more typical. Right. So yours was kind of the exception, but obviously we weren't the only ones that liked you. What, who were the other guys that that offered you based on that camp? 
Um, based on that camp, I remember I taught – there was a whole bunch of, like, D2 programs that were – I don't think they could technically offer, but they were basically like, yeah, like, we want to give you a spot, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I know Yale, they offered me based off that, and Lafayette, they uh, they also offered me based off that. And I – there's another one. I can't really remember which one it was, but I know those were the – y'all you y'all were the main three that I remember from that camp. Gotcha. And then, um, so four years later or five years, whatever it is later, um, when you're graduating and you, you finish your career and now you're getting picked up by the Raiders. Um, that was one of the things I want to ask you is, you know, the year before, uh, our running back Chase Edmonds, he had gotten drafted the Cardinals. Did you call him up? I mean, that's gotta be like one of your closest friends that was recently going through like a similar thing. Did you talk to him at all or who'd you talk to, to, to get advice about the process? Um, I mean, I, like you said earlier, like I have a, I have like, a brother and I have two cousins that have gone through like the same process. So I definitely talked to them. Um, I talked to chase a lot um, because he did just go through. Uh, the, I mean, I was talking to him since the beginning of my junior year about this whole process. Cause I, he's like a firsthand knowledge of how to do it from my school, but I definitely talked to him. You know, I'm, I'm still, I still talk to him now, you know, we, we play him in the preseason. So I'll probably uh, hopefully see him there, but he was definitely a, a instrumental piece in helping me understand just the nuances of, you know, practice, how how the, how to adjust from coming from Fordham to the NFL. You know, he was instrumental in helping me get that. Well, that's great. And so um, you're starting back up at camp soon. What I, what I want to do is I want to just kind of check in on you, you know, every now and again and and uh, get you back on, even if it's just for another five or ten minutes and and get a quick update from you. Um, cause I think it'd be cool to track and, and see how it's going. Cause I imagine every week there's got, you probably gonna have your ups and downs, uh, going through the process. So, uh, so I definitely want to do that. Uh, but before I go, um, is there anything, um, that you would give as just general advice to athletes at all, you know, that are going through the recruiting process that from your experience? Um, basically just talking to, you know, the, the high schooler that didn't get, as much playing time as he thought he would his first couple of years, you know, just don't panic. Um, there's always options for ways you get out. And if you just work hard and don't think that you're better than certain programs, you know, take anything that you can get and just keep working hard and it'll all work out as long as you just, you know, you believe in yourself and give it all you got. Awesome. Thanks Dylan. Good luck. We'll be watching and, and rooting for you. Appreciate it. That was fun. Uh, Dylan, had some really good advice there to close it out. I, I think uh, my advice always is to athletes is don't discount any school until you have at least two offers. Um, once you have two offers, then you can say, okay, are these schools schools that I'd be less interested in the ones I already have offers from? And if so, then it's okay to start to focus your efforts. But until then, you should be taking on all comers. And you know, if you're really interested in playing college football, you should be listening to all the schools that want to talk to you. And I wanted to also give everyone a quick reminder that if you're enjoying the podcast to support it, uh, the best way to support the podcast is to share it, you know, on your own social media or to send it to a friend that you think might be interested or someone, you know, every episode we do, our audience keeps on growing and it's thanks to you guys. So keep it up and we'll continue to deliver excellent content uh, to learn about the recruiting process and so much more. So thanks. And we'll talk to you next time.